You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And I'd like to welcome you to uh, episode 9 of the podcast. We're working our way into the third month. And uh, this episode, uh, my friend Cheyenne from the band Trivax, uh, from the UK, by the way of Iran, uh, and also main man behind the podcast Iblis Manifestations, which I shout out every week. Um, as joining me for a pretty wide-ranging conversation where we touch upon a, quite a bit of different subjects. So I think uh, people will people are going to enjoy this one. Uh, if you liked, you know, some of the other episodes I've done where we're kind of talking about a lot of different subjects, you'll like this one. We go through um, certain things about black metal, spirituality, um... We talk about um, some uh, a few a little bit of a, a little bit of pol- political stuff, not not too much, but it does get touched upon, and just uh, philosophy and life in general, and just uh, the future of Trivax and the, their upcoming album, which is uh, coming out on a cult never dies here soon. Um, yeah, Trivax is a band that uh, I um got introduced to through uh into the necrosphere which is a podcast i also shout out it's one of the brothers of the another one of the brothers of the podcast apocalypse and uh jackie smith had cheyenne on there a couple times and that's how i got introduced to the band trivax and uh, i really enjoyed their music particularly the song into the void which will actually be playing at the end of the podcast tonight and then uh, Cheyenne was also on uh, Mike Hill's podcast, Everything Went Black, another one of the uh, podcast brothers of the apocalypse. So you can also um, go and check those out if you like this episode. You can also go and uh, just make sure to go and follow Iblis Manifestations um, and check out all the cool interviews that he's done. Uh, a few weeks, uh, well... Was it about a month ago, two months ago? He did an episode with, uh, maybe longer than that, I don't know. <laughs> he did an episode with uh, Nas Alchemist, who I just had an episode with a couple weeks ago. So, like I said, on that episode, you should check that out. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on this week. I've got, a, got this interview with Cheyenne. Um, next week is going to be an interview with the band Poisonous Reflection, a brand new uh noise black metal uh project from the UK um and that was a that was a good conversation and that's going to be up next week and uh from that point we'll see how everything falls um in the upcoming future we should be having an episode with uh Ralph Schmidt from Ulta and Ropes of Night uh who also is uh one of the guys on uh, everything went black co-hosting with uh with my kill so i'm looking forward to that episode it's gonna be really cool to get to talk to to, um, ralph you know and uh looking forward to that uh and yeah we got some other things uh the long-awaited uh run through of uh, nightmare and elm street movies with my friend mike purdy are gonna be is gonna be coming up I decided to push it back a little bit further, closer to Halloween, because we got these other shows, so that's coming up in the near future, and uh, 
you know, we'll see what else what else comes along. I think Mike Hill and I are probably going to try to cover uh, the Great God Pan for the next Eldritch Tales. So, um, yeah, I'd like to uh, see. Is there anything else I want to talk about before we get an interview? Um, one thing I want to recommend everybody is uh, to go check out Gustav Mayrink and particularly the novel The Gollum. I just uh, got done reading that one and also a second novel, The Green Face. And I mean, obviously, uh, his work is like definitely occult, uh, weird fiction, and uh, definitely having a background in um, uh, knowledge of like the occult and all that kind of stuff. Well be very useful if you decide to dig into his work but uh i really really enjoy those novels i'm working just started his third novel uh while purchase knocked today and uh yeah i i I really recommend checking those out and uh i guess i'm kind of on a uh uh turn of the century german weird fiction kick because i just um found out that the novels of Hans Heinz Ewers have been reprinted in English finally. Um, I've been aware of him for over a decade because of Stephen Flowers' um, St- Strange Tales uh, collection of his of Ewers' uh, short stories. And, um, you know, you could not find any English translations but I guess there were English translations back in the like the 20s and the 30s. Uh, so those old translations are now being reprinted because I think they'd finally hit uh, public domain, um, including one uh, of the second novel called Al Raune. And that one has been translated by Guy Endor, who is the uh, uh, author of the novel The Werewolf of Paris. Which uh, is a great novel. I definitely recommend anybody who's in, you know likes werewolves, weird fiction to go check that out as well. Uh, I had no idea that he translated from German into English. You know, Ewer's novel Alraune. That novel also is very popular with Carl Ed- Edward Wagner, who uh, Mike Hill and I talked about on uh, the last episode of Eldritch Tales. And I guess uh, that novel was in, his, was in one of his lists of like the best like um, weird fiction novels to, to read. So, very cool stuff. But alright, that's enough of that. Um, before we get into the uh, episode of the podcast, I was going to shout out the uh, brothers of the podcast Apocalypse. Mondays we got uh, Brandon Legion with Horror Wolf 666. And... Uh, uh, pretty soon, the episode that he and I recorded will be up, so keep your eyes open for that. Uh, Tuesdays, we got uh, the uh, mighty Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith. The, in my opinion, the best extreme metal podcast out there. Long for interviews, uh, reviews, it's great. Um, Wednesdays, we got Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. It's kind of freeform, whatever, podcasting. Talks about all kinds of stuff on there. It's great. Uh, Thursdays, Mike Hill has Necromaniacs with uh, his co-hosts, uh, Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. And uh, it's uh, one of my favorite horror podcasts out there. It's one of the podcasts, along with Into the Necrosphere, that got me into all of this. So go check that out. 
Um, and uh, again, going back to the subject of this to this day's interview, there's Cheyenne uh, with Iblis Manifestations, which comes out at intervals depending on what he uh, who he's interviewed and stuff like that. So it's not a particular day, but definitely go out, follow every one of them, you know. And uh, one thing I keep forgetting to mention, uh, you can follow me. Um, on Instagram at either Denver Underground Radio, or you can type in my name, Carl Hikara, um, onto uh, Instagram, and you can find me. Uh, I, de- I recommend following the Denver Underground Radio one. Um, so yeah, that's the way to follow and uh, follow us on on there and see what's up and to get the uh, playlist for our uh, our. Uh, my show as well, the radio show that we do twice a week. Um, all right, uh, before we get into this, I'm playing uh, Sin, a little instrumental piece from Dryback's first album. And then we're going to close out the night after the interview with uh, the song Into the Void by Dryback's, which is probably my favorite song of theirs that I've heard so far. Uh, thank you. I hope you guys enjoy. We'll see you next week. And Hail Satan. Well, yeah, figured to ask you on the, on the podcast, you know, and um, kind of, I don't have like, kind of see where, where the conversation takes us. I kind of was like thinking, start off with uh, something that I was thinking about a lot recently, which has come up in some of my, my episodes as well, is that like, um, how does, how to put it the best, the, um, I think your story, like coming from Iran and everything finding black metal i mean to me it shows me that i think that the people who are meant to be in the black metal are are going to find it no matter what you know what i mean like uh and it goes back to something that i felt like which is that black metal to me there's like a uh, a spirit in black metal that like an actual for me is an actual living force that somehow in black metal that that i don't know it reaches out and grabs the people who are meant to be in it you know it's like the natural place for people like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I can completely relate to all of that. What you just said, man. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's one of them things, obviously over in Iran, you're not fucking supposed to listen to uh, any kind of rock music or like, you know, to them, Marilyn Manson is the devil. So let alone, 
listening to <laughs> fucking black metal, you know, like uh, Watain or Behexen, which is what I was listening to over there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. There's definitely, uh, I do agree that there's something that's um, almost omnipresent within the genre, which uh, you can find sort of in between the lines. Like, it's not something that you can just put your finger on it. But if you just listen to, I don't know, maybe like anything from uh, like the first few Bathory albums or like the first Sarcophaga record or like Death Crush, you know, like all these things. I know I'm going back to like first wave, but that's the present it, yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. But that's still present in some ways later on. Uh, or I mean, I think Hellhammer is a great example, too. There's something there. Uh, you can't really give it a name and you can't tell what it is because what you're hearing is just riffs and people just composing and performing ideas, but it's what's behind that thing and how they all almost coincidentally had this weird energy in common that they were projecting in their own unique way. I think it's what makes uh, black metal uh, extremely special. Uh, obviously, you still have that nowadays, even with bands like Aklas, you know, who... Uh, uh, we've both interviewed Kyle, and I think they're actually a, a very good example of that, too. There's just something there, you know, it's like, it's almost like the music is just a fucking excuse for for some kind of force or energy to flow through. And that's just kind of how I see it. And I do agree. I think there's those of us who, um, whether by choice or not, I feel like there's some degree of choice involved. But I think the fact that it's almost like an invitation. If, if you ever ended up becoming a serious black metalhead at some point in your life where uh, you uh, ended up really following the path for what it is, it's almost like it's an invitation on behalf of whatever that energy and force is rather than you just discovering a style of music, you know? Yeah, like I think for me when I found black metal, it was like... Um finding something that was missing some how I've described in the past it's like uh it's like the missing mm -hmm. piece of my life um and it feels like uh it's not really like um a choice in a way in the sense of like uh i think the people who are really truly like bleed black metal it's not like you're um it's like what you're called to it's like it's like natural it's natural for who you are like what black metal is in the way that it expresses itself is for me, like my natural kind of core, you know? And so, I'm, and I really discovered that the first time I started like writing black metal, it was like the first time I sat down, I was like, I'm going to try to play, you know, play this music. It was like the easiest thing in the world in a way. Cause it just came out, mm -hmm. just flew out, flowed out from my, my, my soul or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's how it's been ever since. And it's like, uh, and that experience was like, okay, this is what I was meant to be, you know, playing. There's like a couple of genres of music that I feel like I was meant to play. Like they're like natural to my soul, you know, and black metal is like the, the one that was like the core, you know? And I, I think that I, it was an interview you were doing recently. I think it was a, a guy from devastator where you're talking about, uh, people being like kind of honest, like it's an honest expression of themselves. Like if they're doing that, then that's like, you know, that's what's important, you know, and that's something that I really agree with is I think they, that black metal should come from an honest place within you. Like this is who you are, you know, uh, you're not just putting on a, putting on a, a costume, you know? Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think uh, it's, it goes a bit deeper than that. I feel uh, 
I think that so many people wear masks throughout their lives. And uh, when sometimes they discover something like this, they'll uh, carry on doing the same. But I feel that there's there's that thing in, in black metal, you know, that I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I feel like there's some kind of uh, karmic energy or karmic force that sort of, um, it's like a test. Uh, that's how I personally see it, that it's a test that um, we find ourselves in, be it due to, I don't know, something to do with our past lives or... I, I don't know. I feel like there's something there that it's like a challenge or a test that you have to go through. You know, that's why like before I always used to get really pissed off when bands would just release shitty albums that had no value to it. But then as I've grown older, I'm like, no, you know what? Everyone deserves the chance to at least express themselves, even if it's completely fucking bullshit by my own estimate. You know, I think, you know, you you got to give everyone the chance at least, uh, or they should to themselves have the chance to uh, express themselves. Um, um, and I think that the reason why this is the case is that when you express yourself, you're not done with it. That's like, that's only like almost just the start of it because uh, it's like you could have a thought in your head for ages and ages, but you don't understand the value or the weight of that thought until you actually say it out loud or you put it into practice. And I feel like it's the same when it comes to art form and especially in the case of black metal. I feel like uh, for me personally, at least, it's been the one of the greatest tools in just getting to fucking know myself, you know, because it for many years, it was always my uh, sort of projection against the world, which I think was sourced in a lot of my own uh, insecurities, perhaps, you know, because it's like, you know, you feel insecure about the world, so you just want to tell everyone to fuck off and die. And uh, I think that's that's normal, but it's kind of like if you keep doing that, then you realize maybe that, huh, maybe maybe I'm just a problem, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I think I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of great, great value in that. And that's not to say that you now stop doing what you're doing, but rather it almost brings you closer to this more divine uh, reason as to why you even perform your art and through yeah. this you also achieve uh, insane and uh, just very extreme amount of personal growth that you otherwise probably wouldn't have done you know yeah well i think uh the other hat part of the equation is i think when you are con come connected to this force and connected to kind of that the true soul of black metal you're kind of also channeling something through you and that channeling of this kind of um force outside of ourselves through ourselves transforms us you know so it's a kind of process of self transformation through this kind of uh channeling of this dark force that uh manifests into music as black metal you know for sure for sure uh i think that uh our well here's the thing we know now or at least uh, there are some theories out there that our brains are actually more like antennas and vessels so that intelligence in of itself is actually uh, meant to be an external thing rather than uh, an internal one right and I, I suppose you've got memories and things like that by this would give us the understanding that uh, what we think, what we say, 
uh, or what we create more importantly is actually a connection with a higher conscious web that exists out there. Now you can call this God or you can just call this a collective consciousness, but I do truly believe this to be a thing, you know, and that's why when you have had artists like, uh, I believe it was Beethoven who said that when he was creating music, he was connecting with God. I understand this, or at least I feel like I do because I feel that there's a, there's a cosmic um, web of consciousness that's already there that if you open yourself up um, through various different exercises, be it meditation or just different kinds of events in our lives that open us up to these things, uh, I feel like that there's something that you can connect to. And that's the thing that almost uh, gifts you with, uh, with the music that you're writing sometimes, you know, because you've, you yourself uh, as a musician might understand this, but you know, sometimes it's like you're sitting there and you're trying to come up with ideas and there's just nothing happening. And then some other times um, you'll start fucking playing and then out of nowhere, it's just like hours have gone by and you're just on this thing. And it's almost like, it's almost like a weird mix of blacking out, but also being hyper-focused where you're just creating and creating. And it's just like shit's, flowing straight through you you know and i think uh i don't know if that's like some kind of an adhd thing but i feel like there's like a more spiritual element to this as well which yeah, uh yeah. which makes this a very very interesting practice which i think goes together with what we've just been saying about the genre and just being an artist in general yeah i would agree i mean there's been a lot of stuff that I've made in my life uh, musically that I look back and I'm like, how the fuck did I even come up with that? You know, like you're just like yeah. in this like trance state and it just kind of flows through you. And uh, particularly for me, it flows most if I'm like really like uh, the way it all fits together too. If like ritual magic and stuff is you're like kind of building a um, uh, magical world around yourself of like inspiration, you know, and uh, the more, and that connects you with this kind of a causal type of force that's outside and, or that's like kind of uh, penetrating and uh, providing this inspiration. And it's like, when you build up this kind of virtual space in a way uh, of inspiration, then you're really connected and it makes it easier to, then when you go into, to make music, to, to, to really uh, get in that state of mind to, connect with that force and allow it to flow through and create whatever it is that you're trying to create, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'll ask you a question, right? Yeah. This will be interesting. I think it goes very much hand in hand with uh, what I was just saying as well in regards to that cosmic web of uh, consciousness and memories and thoughts. Have you ever listened to a song for the first time where you're like, I feel like I've heard this before? Have oh, you yeah, ever definitely. had that happen before? Yeah, I definitely had yeah. that happen. Well, I think, you know, on a surface level, you could put this down to the fact that obviously we're all sharing riffs and then you're bound to have stuff that sounds like other things. But I think it's it's something else. I think that somehow that song was always meant to be there mm -hmm. and that the song was going to get known and it was going to be heard. I mean, this is a totally non-black metal example of it but i had this uh, when i heard the song uh, square hammer by ghost 
okay. you know, totally like cheesy, catchy, almost like pop metal song. But when I heard that, I was like, I swear I fucking heard this song before. But of right. course I haven't. You, you might find stuff that sounds similar to it, but you've not heard the song exactly as it is. And I felt like I remembered it exactly as it is. And lo and behold, obviously now that's probably like their most listened to song. And it's got like fucking 80 million views on YouTube or like Spotify and shit like that. And if you think about it, the point I'm trying to make here is now that is that exact song is in the memory of millions and millions of people right and i feel like our memories and our thoughts have a weight to which we've not fully understood yet and i think that you know it's the whole saying of if you can imagine something then it's probably real i think that there's something like that with music um which uh, which connects us in in such a way you know I, i feel the same about metallica songs too you know when i listen to metallica songs i don't you know, I feel like I'm connecting to something else of like the millions of other people who've listened to the song, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's obviously the band that you can connect with. There's like so many different variables, but I think that there's something there that, you know, you can connect with. And I think that the most precious thing you could ever achieve as an artist is to create something that has that kind of value to it. Right. You know, where does that, where it exists in the cosmic web it exists in the in the in the ether which yeah. ca- which you cannot see but you just know that it's it's fucking gonna be there and uh it's it's almost impossible to predict how you would even do such a thing but it's i think it's just something that gets uh granted to us uh throughout time and uh it's the best we can hope to achieve really that's it yeah well i think i think that does happen i mean um like there's these moments where somebody's just connected to this and that and uh pulls it out of there and it's something that was meant to meant to happen in some way you know and i think it's also mm-hmm. a matter of perfectly uh, embodying the whatever intention force that is behind the the that as well and i think too like you're talking about um connecting with different things with through music i do think that with like say different bands like metallica as an example like you when i listen to metallica i connect you can connect to those you know millions of people who've listened to metallica through all these years i also get the feeling of like really connecting to the time periods in which music came out as well you know Mm -hmm. sure and yeah you i can i know you mean like there's different levels of of connection you can feel to these certain things i also know I would say I also noticed that there's times where there's music that I'll hear and like a good example would be like uh first time I heard Mayhem, the Mysterious Times of Thanos or uh some other, there's other non-metal examples as well but like where I hear it and it almost sounded like music that I had been hearing in my head in some way before I ever even heard the music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting, man. I mean, you mentioned about the the timeline aspect of it and how you can relate to different decades like we obviously were talking about metallica like there's been many times in the past where i've listened to the uh, the garage days ep and when i listen to that i get the sensation of wanting to be in some i don't know in some house party in america probably like san francisco at the time or something like that i don't know or wherever the fuck you know and 
you're just surrounded by like fucking people your age and you got the fucking boom box and you've got you've got the metallica stuff playing on there you know the covers and then everyone's yeah. drinking beer and i imagine myself in these scenarios or later on with like maybe the first uh, rammstein album or second sensucht the the second record i can easily imagine a scenario of being in berlin at a nightclub in 1997 whilst on ecstasy you know and just uh, and th these kind of you know um imaginations and and these things i think i feel like there's like a real weight to them but then there's also that just image that just it makes it so satisfying to even uh, just pretend in your head that you could be in such an environment which i know is funny for me because i'm pretty much like at this point in 2022 i'm more or less a straight edge but I've done everything there is under the sun, you know, and I have like, these experiences and I feel like I can very uh, almost in a not the word psychic is a little pretentious, but it, almost in a psychic way, I feel like I can put myself in those situations and that almost like adds an entire different layer to the way I actually enjoy music, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you mean exactly. I felt like that before too, like, um, it's weird too because there's some things you'll hear and you'll feel like a nostalgia for a time that you never even experienced really you know <laughs> that's that right happen. yeah that's exactly yeah. i think what i'm saying yeah yeah because i'll have that um if i listen to uh because i really i love like first wave black metal and black thrash stuff from the 80s and you know that whole era of like late 80s early 90s when you got that kind of before everything got really like disconnected like from each other where it was still just black metal, thrash metal, death metal was all kind of like connected. And then a lot of times, yeah, that I'll was the best stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot was. of times I just listen, when I listen to a lot of that stuff and I get in a real, I'll get in these real kicks where I, that's all I listen to for periods of time is stuff in that era. And you just really feel like that feeling like you could almost get in a time machine and this time warp back to the tape trading days and the days of like, and you get like this kind of weird nostalgia for a time you didn't even experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I feel that completely. I mean, for me, the whole old school and the more dangerous aspect of it, I can already relate to just purely because of my background in mm -hmm. growing up in metal anyway. You know, like we didn't, um, my generation was sort of just after the tape trading thing, but um, yeah, it still too. wasn't easy having access uh, to this kind of music and uh, obviously ignore the fact that you know it was fucking illegal to even be listening to it and that if the government caught you doing that shit you were in serious trouble right but um you know just just the listening of to the music alone and how few people around me were even into this you know i mean i was like basically like the only metalhead in a school of like 700 kids um when i was like 14 15 years old and there's like all these kids who none of them know metallica yet here i am listening to fucking cannibal corpse on on the breaks at school right you know <laughs> that was kind of, that was my reality as a teenager and um you know and it, it was cool you know it, it was it was fun because these songs always gave me ideas of like uh Actually, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, uh, you, you know the theme of Cannibal Corpse songs, you know, so you can imagine uh, the things that went through my head uh, yeah. whilst being like the uh, the only one of my kind uh, in such a place like that. But you know what? I also enjoyed it too because it gave me a sense of individualism, which uh, 
which I still carry uh, even stronger today, you know, so it's like, there's not really a lot that can, that can, um, I suppose, um, infect my path, if you will. Yeah. You know? Well, I think um, another, inter- one interesting thing I was thinking about was uh, your situation, like being in Iran, like growing up listening to is like, like when, a much more extreme version of, I mean, the early nineties black metal scene, for example, in Norway, I mean, they were getting like attacked, you know what I mean? Like it was like violent, like pretty uh, extreme, you know? And I'm sure that, uh, your situation is more extreme because you're doing something like that was illegal, like where they're like, it was just like the, the, the Christians were like attacking them and everything, you know what I mean? Like in the street and stuff like that, you know? So it was like for us, it was like a case of uh, I mean, we had friends of ours. Um, I, I forget the name, something Wolf. Ah, oh, damn it. If you'd asked me a few years ago, I'd have remembered the name. But anyway, it doesn't matter because you probably can't fucking find the music anyway. But these kids, uh, I call them kids because they were like roughly about our age, maybe just a little bit older. I think uh, they must have been like 18, 19 at the time or something. Mm-hmm. And they were all uh, they were rehearsing and fucking police came and just, uh, you know, arrested them, smashed their instruments to pieces and, you know, cut their hairs and only let them off on bail. And that was that was kind of that's where we lived in. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, even uh, I mean, I myself, I don't know how the fuck I managed to get away with some of the shit that I did there because I did some fucking really dodgy stuff but yeah. besides just actually playing a few underground gigs in Iran. I, I must be I don't know. I'm not I'm not uh, blowing my own trumpet, but I literally must be one of the few people in the world who have actually played metal shows in Iran, but uh, also have come over here and right. played gigs as well. You know, I, I don't think there's really many others who've done that, no, uh, with the so. exception of like maybe a handful of others um, who I probably know, you know. Yeah. But uh, the point I was trying to make was um, our reality was was that it's just, you know, you're not fucking allowed to do this. If you if you do this, you're an infidel, you're a piece of shit. The society hates you. The government fucking hates you and uh, your family's under attack and all kinds of bullshit, you know, just because of the Islamic um, traditions, which are not rooted just in society and culture, but also uh, in the actual laws of the yeah. country. Um, and, uh, I mean, even when I first left Iran in, uh, 2011, literally within a month of that, this, um, this band, I mean, they were a shit band anyway, you know, but they didn't deserve to have what happened to them. Uh, but, uh, I think band called the uh, Dawn of Rage, they were like a metalcore band and the motherfuckers, even though I think they had a permit or something, they had like a hundred people at the venue. The police just came in and fucking pepper sprayed the fuck out of everyone and, did the whole smashing the instruments thing and then arrested them all, which is, you know, no yeah. one, uh, even, even if your band's shit, I don't think anyone deserves that, to be honest. <laughs> no, with I you. don't think so. Yeah. So as far as like relating to the, uh, to the whole second wave thing that you mentioned, uh, I mean, Norway is such a peaceful country as well. It's so weird that that even happened, but, yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. You know, I mean, um, it's, uh, yeah, I feel like there's there's a sense that we can relate to it, but we also do over there, at least in my time, uh, within the few black metalheads that I know, we do really look up to the um, the Norwegian guys, you know, and like, uh, I mean, Burzum is so fucking notorious uh, in Iran around the time that I was coming up. Everyone, like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, I can't, 
I can't quite describe it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very intense thing. It's like not everyone gets into it, but when they do, it's, it's, it's fucking full on, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of how it was for us over there. Well, I'm sure like, uh, I mean, it's that thing like uh, you, you're doing something by its very nature is it, you know, it's, it's against a lot. It's extreme. So if you're going to do it, you're going to go all the way. You know what I mean? Like there's no half measures there, you know? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when the uh, one of the last nights I had with Trivex in Iran, you know, because obviously I already I had a different lineup before I left Iran. Yeah, and it was with two Iranian guys, and then I broke up the band with them. Like initially, I told them I was leaving the band, and then it was kind of like they were like, "If you're not here, we don't want to play." So right. it was like, "Okay, you know, we all go our own separate ways." And then obviously, a few months later, I moved to the UK and then reformed the band with the British lineup at the time. But one of the last experiences that I had with these two was the fucking drummer and the bass player. I think we were rehearsing for eight hours, you know, we were stuck in this basement. And then like there was some like serious drama between these two guys, you know, and a few like family issues. And some of them like they owed each other money or some shit. I don't know. It was really there was a lot of tension, man. And, and the, the tension just fucking broke out one night and they started fucking like literally like killing each other in front of me. It was fucking oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Like I've seen a lot of street violence in my time, but uh, this was like next level, you know, like fucking um, the, uh, the bass player um, ripped um Oh, no, sorry. The bass player stabbed my drummer in the neck with a pair of small scissors. Oh, shit. And uh, the drummer, uh, he he bit the bass player's arm and there was literally about like, <laughs> like oh a God. three inch mark uh, that out like a gun out of his skin. And afterwards, when he went to the um, the local um, uh, A&E place or whatever the fuck uh, we have over there. They said to him, they said, have you been bitten by a dog? Because that looks like a dog and you could have rabies. He was like, no, it's just a fucking drummer. You know, <laughs> I just got into a fight with him. And yeah, uh, it was it was brutal, man. You know, I, I saw some shit. But, you know, it's um, that was uh, that was kind of what it was like. That's just, you know, like you're you're rehearsing and, and you're doing all these things. And it's all in a way, it's all pretty much for nothing except the fact that you're exercising your freedom. That's. That's all it is, because you're not going to go around and start like playing shows and making money or selling merch and shit. That's like, it's, yeah, even if you do, it's like it's nothing compared to what you'd be able to do here. You know, so, yeah, yeah it's uh, strange times. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It forges us into who we are today, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you uh, have those kinds of experiences and you kind of prove your uh individuality and in, in the face of that kind of uh con you know opposition i mean you're only gonna be stronger from that and i think that's something mm -hmm. that needs to, that's, that's like definitely true i mean like uh if you look at like even the original like second wave uh like in Nor norway for example like once the bottle went out and like uh you know they were public enemy number one i'm sure that was like the real like uh a weeding out time when the people who weren't serious about it were going, oh, I'm going to cut my hair and get out of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause the police are like at my door. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I really like that. I like that because I think it's, uh, you know, it's such a macho saying, but it's true. You know, it's what separates the men from the boys. Yeah. 
you know, it's that's like, right. even if you're 18 years old, that's still, you know, that, that makes you one of the, one of the few who are meant to be doing it. And that's just how I look at it, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, myself, I sometimes, uh, wonder like, Oh, uh, what the fuck would have happened if I, if I stayed, you know, what, what right. would have, what would have happened? Would I have given up and just become a fat slob and just like become like an engineer and married into a shit miserable life and you know i don't know or or i i would have carried on the same path and i feel like if i had done over there chances are i probably would have um at the, at the rate i was going during the last year or so that i was in iran i I would have either I, I probably would have killed someone or been killed I, I think i know that sounds really extreme but I don't think I would have killed anyone unless like, but I, I just feel like I would have, I would have lost my mind if, if I had to stay there any longer, you know? Yeah. It was just, it was so suffocating. It was fucking a lot of horrible. Tension. Yes. It must yeah. be a lot of mental tension to being stuck in that, that kind of situation of, of the societal pressure. It uh, is, you know, like that, that, that can't be, it's can't be good for the, for the, for you. You know what I mean? No, no. Um, I mean, everyone, I, I think good is, is such a, you know, it's such a fuckery of a word here because on one hand, it's like, yeah, that's, that shit is really bad for you. No one should have to go through that mentally. And I try and remind myself every day for as much as I can of where I came from and not take the little bit of freedom that I have now for granted ever. But uh, having said that, I think those challenges can actually really develop you into, um, you know, into into your own person, and and it can give you a strength of character that you otherwise would have never had. I mean, I'm I'm not exactly an, an old person, you know. I was born in the fucking nineties. Uh, right. I guess by some perspective, I could be considered old, but compared to like ninety nine percent of my friends, I'm I'm always the youngest here. And uh, but I feel like I, I level with most people <laughs> because it's like I've seen shit that I feel like not, not many others have done. And I think that, you know, uh, I mean, it's got its pros and cons as well. You know, it's not that you're just fucking king of the world just because you experience some challenges. You know, it also makes it very difficult for uh, for trust and things like that, even if it's to people closest to you. You know, that's something I definitely uh, have problems with because I've kind of been on my own my whole life so yeah. uh it's it's a work in progress you know <laughs> i try and focus on the positives if i can but you know uh, either way i'm still grateful to actually be able to play this fucking music and and do what we want to do you know that's the number one thing really yeah uh, yeah definitely i mean for all the problems that we have in the west like uh facing us and everything i mean the the one good thing is that essentially we do still have the you know freedom of expression to a great degree you know like and uh the ability to i mean you we do have for the, now yeah for the time being you do and we have the ability to play this music and everything and uh and the important thing is to make sure that we keep that you know <laughs> like, yes that's very important this is what worries me you know what makes the west um what it is in terms of the uh, the positive value of it is the fact that you can have people with different ideologies that you can have people who might disagree on ideas but they'll still coexist within the same space and unfortunately um during the last six years especially but then even more intensely in the last couple of years 
uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And I think that anyone who lives in, in the Western part of the world, uh, especially in America, needs to be very, very careful of this because yeah. you are, and by you, I don't mean you yourself personally, but I feel like your people need to be aware of, you know, because you're, you're, you're heading into almost a totalitarian kind of a situation where people are almost calling for civil wars and there's this weird thing of oh if you you know like everyone is everyone who's got a voice seems to be on the extreme end of the spectrum politically and i think that is that's horrific that's one of the worst things that could happen and i feel like uh some eastern influences be it influences through uh social media and you know things like that uh through ai accounts even you know that's that's not really helped you guys either, but you're not helping yourselves at this point either. You know, you need to, uh, the whole point of freedom is, is that you can, you can have civil fucking discourse and that's what freedom of speech is. And there should be no exemptions to that, that literally yeah. no exemptions to that. You know, I mean, I myself have friends on <laughs> pretty much like the far end of both sides. And I've got friends who are in the middle, friends who are on a little bit on the left, a little bit on the right. And I think we can learn everything. We can learn something from everyone, you know, and if you disagree on some ideas, doesn't mean that you're now a fucking Nazi or a snowflake, you know, it, <laughs> is it, there's, you know, there's, yeah, I agree. If, if we all just fucking gathered and talked about shit, then you would never have these problems, but everyone's just so afraid and so divided. They can't fucking put their egos aside. Everyone's focused on being, right rather than the truth and that's uh, that's a very worrying thing you guys really need to be careful with that yeah definitely i agree i think that that's uh, definitely a big problem and i do think too that thing that that uh is difficult for say somebody like myself or uh, i don't know anybody who's kind of more in the middle or somebody like um like particularly like on uh, kind of this this side of things of uh being into you know, satanic stuff, black metal, all those kinds of stuff, stuff. like we're kind of in a, a precarious position because uh, both the far left and the far right is our, our enemies in a way because the far right's associated with Christianity, like fundamentalist Christians and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And they're the ones who like go back to burning us, you know, if they could. And then on the far left, they are also the enemy because they, uh, they would take away the rights to have, you know, freedom of speech to, state anything extreme or whatever they want to get rid of anything that would offend anybody and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean so it's kind of like a rock and a hard place you know <laughs> yeah i do understand uh but i think the most important thing to keep in mind is that whatever you're doing uh just be careful not to become the thing that you hate yeah exactly. not to become the thing that you're actually trying to fight i mean uh kyle uh from Atlas, he said this on on the podcast when i had him on before and i think it's a valid point you know it's like you know, it's it's one of them, um, it's one of them uh, weird dilemmas. But I think as long as you can have different ideas and not feel absolutely necessary to impose them on other people, I mean that's fine. I mean, I was just thinking about this earlier this evening. Um, uh, back in November last year uh, in Birmingham, I was talking to the drummer. Um, I mean, I suppose a session drummer for. Um, well, I'm not going to name the band, but they're a very well known band. And ironically enough, the drummer's ideologies were like the opposite of what the band stood for. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, this guy was saying some really weird shit to me 
about how he believed that, for example, you know, like shops should be allowed control to not want to serve uh, people who are unvaccinated. And it's like, do you even realize what, what you're even suggesting here? And do you do you understand that, that what would be the repercussions of that if that were to happen the other way around? It's like, why are you even interested in um, you know and this is this is like a massively left-wing guy as well and yeah it's like there's this weird psychosis where it's like people are preaching for the exact opposite thing that they're stand they're at least supposed to stand for and it's yeah it's bizarre to me and they're like oh yeah all of the children need to be this and that and obviously i i then proceeded to give the guy a little bit of knowledge let's call it that i had and uh, yeah it was a very awkward end to the conversation <laughs> but the the point is you know like that's uh, you know the people need to be able to respect each other's fucking spaces you know because you you never know how that's going to work out if if that same thing ever comes back and bites you in the ass you never know yeah well you know the the kind of some of the things that bother me like i'm pretty like like i believe in freedom for people i'm like pretty like almost like a, in a lot of ways a libertarian in in a way but uh mm-hmm. so i'm pretty hardline i'm like hard, hardline like with freedom of speech i believe that you know everybody should you should create us a, a government should only be there to kind of create a kind of neutral system that allows people to coexist you know what i mean you know yeah. the only real crimes are like hurting each other or whatever like um you know i don't believe in uh the only crimes would be having tiktok on your phone that would be a good one to start with (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) why i don't think tiktok should be allowed that's for sure but uh yeah uh, i'm joking obviously but maybe not the worst idea in the world no i don't think it's the worst idea i think yeah and i'm not a fan of tiktok the um but i think that like the the thing that's real funny about uh just like say the left for example is the whole neurosis about trying to quantify everybody and put labels on everybody yeah you know, yeah, yeah is uh is very like annoying to me and it's not just annoying it's also kind of has a sinister element too because um well you know people forget that the nazis were actually basically left-wing and uh they're national socialists you know they weren't really actually like some far-right group in a lot of ways and they also had that neurotic need to label everybody and so the same type of thing that we see going on could lead to the same result of you know if you're this you have to wear like a star if you're that you know like everybody's going to get labeled and if you're mm-hmm. part of the uh the group that they don't they don't approve of you know you could you know that's the next step next step is the concentration camp you know what i mean and we can see that the roots of these types of behavior going on right now you know yeah yeah i think that's a very good analogy um as far as the labeling thing goes this is what i have thought endlessly especially in the last two years and i think that um really the best way to fight this is to just try and you know try and be at least somewhat of a mediator where you understand where the other side is coming from rather than me and then feel confident enough in your own ideology that you don't feel attacked if the ideology is under attack, but rather from a place of, you know what you want, you know, and, and nothing anyone's going to say is going to change your mind, but also that if you have to change your mind, then that's okay. You know, that doesn't mean that you should now start fucking fighting people over it and, you know, trying to prove them like what you think and why they think. Cause it's like getting, getting at, 
attacked or rather attacking someone i should say is like the worst way to sell someone anything yeah you know and you gotta think in in the grand scheme of things the further apart people are in these kind of boxes you know where you're either team red or team blue that's uh, that actually just makes it a lot easier for the government and um, and whatever like the news outlets or the social media and whatever is in charge to control people because you've put yourself in a box whereas if you have different uh ideologies or at least you have your own sets of beliefs that you follow which might be a little bit of this a little bit of that uh, you know that's like that that makes it a lot harder to appeal to you because you know it's, it's harder to sell anything to you i should say it's harder to sell you news if your if your um if your thoughts and your way of thinking aren't aligned with the agenda of yeah. the uh of the narrative i should say whichever way it goes yeah i agree i mean I, i'm definitely the type of person that i get along with people in a lot of different uh viewpoints because that's part of like my ideology my my not even ideology just my way uh that i think the life the world should be is that you know like we should be accepting of other people's uh, uh stuff as long as they're accepting of you you know like uh, my only real problem is when people are going on the attack um, when you have some, a group of people who are, are trying to take away your rights and take away um, your ability to speak and all those kinds of stuff. That's when that's a problem for me. Uh, as long as you're not going that extreme, you can, you know, for me, like in my opinion, like I don't, as long as you're not trying to force your beliefs down my throat or something like that, you know, like in a, an aggressive way, like some people do, I'm pretty like open to conversation of people and, and different, different viewpoints, you know? And I think that's the way that I, I would like to see the world, you know, just people kind of in a way, like just accepting the fact that other people believe other things, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. And I think that, uh, a lot of our beliefs are, uh, this is a very complex thing, but I feel like a lot of our beliefs are generally, uh, it, it could be an emotional reaction to something, you mm -hmm. know, an emotional reaction to something that you've seen, perhaps, mm -hmm. so that, you know, I mean, sometimes all it takes is for you to, for example, see a video on social media of a Middle Eastern guy beating the shit out of his wife for you now to feel so emotionally repulsed by that, that you're completely against any Middle Eastern person entering your country. Right. You know, yeah. It's, it's and, kind of taking and, the, the, this one thing example that you see and applying it to all people. Yeah. Yes. And uh, obviously, I'm I'm making a complete example here. I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm, I'm not even making a case or an argument here. I'm making an example, like a hypothetical example here as to how people work. Yeah, no, and I agree. Once you once you have that sort of emotional reaction and that belief, you will, I feel, automatically find yourself in certain echo chambers where that's like all you see, you know, is all you see. All you think about is things that feed into that particular frustration of yours where it just pisses you off even more. You know, I mean, I'm like this a little bit with uh, with Islam itself, because having come from Iran, I have. Well, I think I think it's publicly 
documented well enough you know that i i've fucking despised that religion yeah but at the same time i i've recently tried to be a little bit more just wise in how i perceive it you know because um just because i hate religion i don't think that should mean that i then would wish harm on everyone who's who's following it that and that's the thing i'm, I'm trying to separate myself from which is a little difficult to begin with because there's years of pent-up rage towards this fucking cult yeah. but at the same time i'm just trying to understand it better um you know which is not easy but i think it's the right thing to do um uh, but the, even myself previously i found myself in echo chambers where i'm like falling out of people over it i'm uh, you know like i'm constantly like on social media you know i constantly get adverts for how they're trying to build mosques in like norway and shit like that and that fucking infuriates me <laughs> like nothing yeah. else you know because it's like fuck these cunts you know why why are they getting given this kind of space but um you're never going to be able to fix anything just because you get angry at it sometimes if you get really pissed off at something and you try and hurt it you might just end up giving it a lot more power and if yeah, you look true. throughout the course of history um you can see that that's definitely the case so be very careful with that whoever's listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, it definitely is a case and um uh, there's a, a left-hand path author that I, that i like a lot uh named michael kelly and uh he sure. lies out a uh, kind of uh initiatory system that uh you know the first few it's called the seven heads of the dragon and the first couple heads are about like uh um kind of establishing dominion over the flesh and then over the um over the mind as well and part of that in the mind part portion is actually exploring those types of trigger uh things like um say if you're going through them you know as part of gaining control over the self is like when you're going through the news or something uh you see something that triggers that right you know it's like taking control over it and be like why why is that triggering you know and then kind of delving into understanding it because then by understanding it you're eliminate you begin to eliminate that ability for those things to to really trigger you in that way you know and then that way you can kind of see through you at a certain point you you begin to see through also how the news media and stuff like that uh the the language is used to to like lead certain types of uh emotional reactions you know they're they're like uh the news is is very specifically designed to trigger those types of emotions and people who are blind to that they're unaware you know they're just easily like uh led by those types of things you know what i mean yeah well that's exactly what they do is that they sell you emotions and fear and that they are constantly provoking uh some kind of uh negative uh, reaction from you even if it's like pro something that that you wanted um i feel like the end game is always like a negative sort of a reaction you know and it's like if you're constantly afraid and, and in a state of being afraid uh especially uh our our brains swell up and if your brain uh swells up then uh you just don't really have the capacity to think clearly and to make smart decisions for yourself you know you feel rushed into things you know 
it's almost like uh, it's, it's like a sale, really. You know, if you feel pressured and then you're like, oh, you know, I should just get this before this sells out. It's like it's that kind of a same thing that, that happens to our brains uh, when we're being fed this bullshit. And uh, I think it's really important to be able to separate yourself from that. And, uh, and in all fairness, there are a lot of um, outlets emerging nowadays uh in the in the sort of the modern sphere of uh internet and social media and things where well some things are full of shit some other things can actually be very helpful too you know where people are just coming up with their own uh definitions of things and explanations and one positive is that um again like i said whilst there might be a lot of shit involved in that as well is that at least people have the voice to be able to express themselves. And, uh, you know, and, and there you'd be surprised at how many people might look at things objectively uh, compared to what the uh, general uh, narrative um, of news and uh, media is going to be, really. Yeah, definitely. I think that the... Um, and sorry, my cat knocked over... Uh... My, my drink and i'm trying to clean it up while i listen to you <laughs> right um, amazing what drink did you have i had a, a diet coke so like diet the coke. ground like sprayed all over everything too <laughs> yeah yeah Maybe yeah i'm not, trying I'm to not... save you man because all the all the sucralose and and you know it messes with your gut health so maybe your cat's trying to look out for you <laughs> yeah maybe yeah it's, a, it's one of my things that i'm like uh still like uh one of my vices that I still have left because is that and uh, I vape. I used to smoke cigarettes, but I quit a couple years ago. But vaping is definitely better for you than uh, is than, it? Uh, yeah, than than smoking. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah, it's not all the smoke, but I mean, just getting nicotine. But yeah, those are my last two because I don't really drink anymore. I don't really partake in uh, any other types mm-hmm. of types of uh, what do you call it uh, drugs and shit. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done it. As I mentioned earlier, I've, I've done everything there is to do. Uh, I never did heroin, but I don't think I, I was planning on doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, and obviously, I, I really I, I don't think I will ever do it uh, for the rest of my life. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to have some of those uh, experiences uh, early on. I just wish that I had a little bit more guidance, you know, where, where someone could have said like, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen to you. But you know, it's all right. They're all pathways to the brain. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I, don't, I don't know what I can credit to this, whether it's, it's the way I was raised by my parents or, or what. But, you know, I, I really don't feel the need to party. Um, yeah, which is weird because it's like when I go out with my friends nowadays, I know it's a total shift of subject compared to what we were just talking about. But <laughs> even when I go out with my friends now, I, uh, I'm usually the last one standing even though I'm sober at like 5 a.m., I'll still be up and, you know, hanging around and talking to everyone. I just don't put any substances that I don't want in my system. It's really right. great. I love it. It's it's so much cheaper. <laughs> it's definitely a lot cheaper. And uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you're the last one per- standing because, um, because, yeah, you're not all fucking drunk. Like, that was always the problem, like when you're like drinking. And the other nice thing is you can also go home and go to sleep it's not like when you're like uh 
doing cocaine or something and like you can't you go home and you can't sleep you know <laughs> i know man I, I i don't miss that i mean majority of my friends still do cocaine you know and when i say majority of my friends that's literally majority of my friends you know most of my friends are music industry related and you know and that's fine like, I, I don't care um uh, just like i don't care that you're doing diet coke and you know and and smoking vape you know like it's, it's whatever man it's, it's right all good. yeah <laughs> i think it's all relative <laughs> yeah yeah so it's yeah. like i i don't care you know but uh for myself uh, it's just that's how i function better you know it's like uh, i perform better when i'm sober on stage i create music better i uh, i have better conversations when i'm sober and uh yeah you know it's good um yeah, and obviously, you know, I, I train better. It's just, you know, I get good sleep. Uh, sex is, for me personally, at least, much better uh, sober. I, like, I hate, I hate the sensation of just being drunk, and it's just like, you know, you can you can smell the sweat the next morning, and every everywhere smells like I don't know the mixture of sambuca shots and fucking feet, and it's fucking horrible. Yeah, I hate so, that smell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know the smell of like when someone gets drunk and then and then they sweat and then they they sleep in the bed and then the next day the room smells like alcohol because yeah, they sweated that. it out. I, I fucking hate it, man. It's disgusting. Yeah, I so, don't like <laughs> <laughs> probably too much information for everyone, but here we are. You know, this is, this is what podcasts are for. You know, <laughs> yeah. You well, share everything. The uh, I mean, per- personal story on my part is my mom's uh, second husband, no third husband, <laughs> the husband that was after my dad was a. Uh, uh binge alcoholic and so like that so he'd go on these binges and then and like literally be passed out in bed and stuff like that and uh mm. and then like sober up you know like it was it was kind of one of those people he'd be he'd be out drunk for like you know sometimes up to a week you know and then sober up and then so for me that that alcohol sweat smell is like real connected to to mm. to that you know what i mean like it's not a, it's like even so it's it's disgusting on its own, but it's, un- it's also combined with that connected to like unpleasant memories of being a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand. I mean, funny that I would, I would even think of bringing that up. Right. It's like, that's, I haven't even talked about that, that thought out loud in, in such a long time, but yes, yes. Um, I can, I can imagine then, especially in that case that, what you related to because like the sense of smell and memories is so strongly connected i think it is the strongest connection that we have is actually through sense of smell yeah you know that's why it's like especially if you get hotel smells if you've ever been on holiday or something it's like straight away it's like yep that's the smell you know of the like yeah. carpets in the hotels you can't explain what exactly that is the smell of but it's a specific smell that you get when you're on holiday that uh if anything reminds you of it, it's like it instantly reminds you of being back at holiday and just being free and enjoying yourself. It's like, ah, yeah. 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 You get that, that, uh, that smell. Well, I think that's mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty powerful tool. Um, is the sense of smell, you know? Um, yeah. Which is why I can imagine that the Gigi Allen concerts in early nineties must've been very successful and memorable. Yeah. <laughs> People would remember them forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time you smell shit, it's like ah, oh, Gigi Allen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's an important part, of, and I mean that's why uh, a lot of magicians use it for like ritual and stuff, like sense of yes, smell. That's right. You know, if you use a certain type of incense every time for your ritual, then as soon as you put that incense on, hit, that smell hits you, you'll immediately go into be into that mode. You know what I mean? Because your brain's mm-hmm. kind of trained to think that way.
Yeah, yeah, but I also think, you know, because there was something, uh, I, I forget exactly what the substance was, but one of my friends who is obviously, he's very much into his magic, uh, he introduced me to this substance. I forget what the fuck it even was called, but it was really weird. It was all, like the first time I've smelt it in my life, but it was almost like a part of my DNA recognized it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. knew for a fact that I've never smelt this thing before, but I felt like I have smelt it before. And um, that was interesting to me. I don't know whether that's a part of the whole uh, cosmic uh, conscious web thing that we talked about earlier or or what it is. But yeah, there's definitely things like that. Um, and there's, there's a strong sense of it in um, when it comes to magic. It's almost like when you save a video game, I feel like whenever you get that smell again, it's like you get to continue the same progress that you had before when you were at that same state, if that makes sense. No, yeah, definitely. Well, and uh, it's interesting talking about that that sense of smell. I was thinking about that the other day with um, frankincense. Mm-hmm. I like uh, frankincense. Yeah, I like frankincense a lot as well. And I was, I was, I got like um, essential oil frankincense, you know. And I was like mm-hmm. smelling it, and I was like thinking um this really like um brings you back to those two i mean this has been in use for millennia you know as like a as like a sacred or scent a sacred uh substance you know what i mean and uh sure smelling it i really connected that i was thinking about that about i wonder if there's like a power in it in of itself that takes you back to those those uh connects you with everybody who's ever used that 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 substance throughout millennia you know what i mean yeah well churches use frankincense correct yeah they do yeah they use uh, a yeah. frankincense and myrrh and um i forget what the other substance is benzenin i think sure sure yeah i mean it's one of them things man you know it's uh it's uh fascinating again another aspect of um you know, just how you can connect these different things uh, through smell. It's, it's very, very, very interesting. I feel like it's such a, there must be such a deep knowledge on this that we're yet to fully tap into. Uh, I think because I, I've, I almost feel frustrated by this sometimes that there's this uh, always a cynical separation between uh, what's quote unquote science and what's quote unquote spirituality, because to me, it's all the same, you know, it's all just a part of understanding life and what the fuck we are doing. And it annoys me when these things are, um, are exclusive from one another. And uh, I feel like that's that whole smell situation is, is, uh, is a lot deeper than it's gotta be. There's more to it than just the chemicals that it activates in your brain obviously that's still the case but i feel like there's something else going on i mean one of the craziest things uh i don't know uh do you have a girlfriend Mm -hmm. yeah so one of the things that you'll find with uh i mean female partners i mean i've only ever had female partners and i don't (laughs) plan on changing that anytime soon (laughs) but uh (laughs) i uh (laughs) You know, uh, no no judgment on Rob Alford, you know, it's all good. But uh, the thing of that is um, the, there's something, you know, like if you've been with someone and then you can still smell their hair in your bedroom and it's, or like on your on your pillow, that's like a, it's like fucking kryptonite, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, the, the feelings and the emotions that, that something like that could bring back is is um it's inexplainable but i feel like anyone who's you'll 
if anyone's experienced it, then they'll understand it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is definitely a, a big part of a relationship. Um, you know, the, and, uh, when you become very aware of this type of things, you can even, you can, you can smell attraction and even, you know, you can tell that when somebody's attracted to you, there's a certain smell that, that kind of aroma that attracts you, that attracts you to them, them to you. You know what I mean? Like you put off these pheromones, you know, like GG Allen, like I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shit smell. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, I had this with uh, this, uh, this girl I was with years and years and years ago. She used to wear this like weird blueberry cream. And it was like, obviously uh the whole thing ended and then it was like yeah fine whatever but for months man every time i smelled that kind of like blueberry cream it just drove me fucking insane like and, and it's just like i <laughs> yeah. knew what it was i'm like yeah i know my brain's just having a chemical reaction here but fuck me you know it's like it's 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 really it's a very strong thing you know and like we're sometimes such a slave to it it's it's a, it's insane really you know you, you can't like I don't, I don't know if you want to call it love or whatever, but it's like, that thing is just like so uncontrollable. It's it's crazy. It really, yeah. really is. Yeah, well, love is definitely like one of the, I mean, it's one of the, the strongest emotions and the strongest things that drives us, you know. That, that's why, uh, you know, like when you look at the mythology of something like, say, Babylon, like the goddess of lust and death, you know, like it's like lust and war and all these types of like fiery passionate things you know like people go do all kinds of crazy shit for love you know what i mean because they it's one of the things that really bypasses the rational brain you know that's a great way to put it yeah i think that's exactly what that is and uh, yeah i mean it's like you could look at it from a purely scientific point of view of how it's just our natural response to wanting to stay alive you know and just wanting to stay alive and procreate and it's like yeah that's that's fine you know that that's that's fair game i don't think it's but quite it's enough just, though no no there's, there's just so much more to it that's i think that's the basic of it but whatever is there in, in our dna it's it's fucking crazy you know it's like i don't how you, i don't think love is uh, just the need for procreation because i mean i don't feel a need for procreation but you still feel love you know love exists in this outside of as one I sometimes I disagree with with a purely mechanistic materialistic viewpoint that breaks everything down to this lowest denominator because it's like that's like one element I think but then there's so much more to it you know the Greeks used to have all these different forms of eros you know like uh wasn't just uh just one thing you had you had these different types of love and different types of experiences people had you know and and primordial eros in of itself, like this cosmogonic eros, was just like a power, powerful thing that exploding in from the outside. You know what I mean? Like something intense. That oh wasn't... yeah, for sure. Of course, it is more than that. But I'm looking at it from the very basic version of it. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's like it's look at it like this. Uh, you've got a need for uh, eating, you know, so you get hungry. Yeah. Uh, when you're starving, you don't you don't give a shit what you're gonna eat. You just need food, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Whereas, like, if you've you know, if you're not exactly starving, but then it's like a special occasion, then you're gonna order, I don't know, like a, like a ribeye steak, medium rare, with like a little bit of blue cheese on the side. <laughs> and it's like, again, that's 
that's that's what I'm that's how I'm looking at love as well is that yeah the very core of it is just a thing to procreate but then it's like it's it's the every other aspect of it or layer I should say that comes on top of it which makes it this extremely complex thing which I'm pretty sure we we still haven't figured that out yet either you know however many years into our existence I don't think we understand love just yet I'm I'm pretty sure on that no I don't think so either was well, it it's again it's in this this day and age we um kind of gone the opposite direction of how it used to be where at one point in time we were scientists were something that was more like people were more overarching like they would look at the entirety of something to try to come to the truth of it or nowadays it's very like macro oriented where it's everybody's focused on their one little specialty you know what i mean and it takes somebody but it, to really understand the, the full complexity of a situation it takes somebody to look at all these smaller things put it together in a bigger picture you know because like say with love for example i mean you're dealing with something that that relates to the kind of primal level as a physical it relates to the psychological it relates to the spiritual you know it relates to every level of the human experience and so it's impossible to completely understand it unless you can understand the, the parts of it as well as the entire picture you know yeah sure uh i think uh, i think that's uh, that is what it is yeah yeah very very complicated thing i don't think <laughs> i definitely don't understand it <laughs> yeah yeah that, i think i think it'd be silly to to claim that um yeah i feel like i'm on the opposite end of it it's like the older i'm getting it's, it's one of them things um i i understand it better but now that i understand it better it just seems even weirder somehow <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah it's it's good it's good man i think um you know and, and that feeling is not just for not just for another human being or a person uh well it is in a sense but it can also translate into uh other things you know like that's very much a feel feeling that i feel towards moments that i have on stage with trivex you know like to me that's uh there's always the theme of uh basically everything that i've ever done is uh obviously he wandered off to nowhere you know yeah. i left my home and, and came here and did all of this and i know on the surface that might not sound like a lot but a lot has had to happen for that to happen a lot of parts of me have had to die off because of that to even be possible because it's not easy uh leaving home and then just being away from your family and then it's like uh, it's not just a vacation that's your reality permanently and yeah. this is something that I've had to mentally wrestle with ever since, you know, I was like uh, 17, 18 years old. And uh, and I haven't been back to Iran ever since I was uh, 20 years old uh, or 21, I think, yeah, 20 years old. So it's a very hard thing, man. You know, it's like, you know, so for me, it's like my home is, uh, you know, is wherever I may roam. Yeah. The road, the, the stage, that's my home now. And, you're kind of uh, kind of in exile you're like Cain, and you know you're exiled to, you know <laughs> east of Eden. you know what i mean <laughs> so to say i suppose i suppose so yeah yeah i feel like um yeah it is that you know in a sense but i also feel like um i i like that actually you know what the exile thing i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna i'm gonna reflect i'm gonna i'm gonna reflect on back on this one later but 
yeah yeah it's kind of like uh it's just ongoing and and it's never ending and having this sort of like there's there's no there's no base for me to go back to because even in a hypothetical situation if i was to go back to iran that's not my home anymore yeah. even if i was to go to uh where my family live uh and go back to the house or apartment that's uh that's not my home anymore I, I wouldn't feel at home and to be honest with you the last time that i went back there it didn't feel like home to me and uh it was it was extremely hard to um be there and it was extremely hard to also leave there again and that's a that's a very tough thing i've, I've had to uh, i've had to wrestle with in, in my own head you know it's like and if you have moments of weakness it's so hard to like just give up on everything as well and just say oh fuck it i can't take this anymore but you know thankfully uh that's that was never that giving up was never an option for me you know and it was just too much on the line you know even you know yeah yeah i, I had to do it not just for myself but for everyone else who has uh who's been emotionally and mentally as well as financially invested in the fact that i've had to come here and, and perform this music you know this is, yeah. this is what i'm supposed to do and uh yeah I'm, I'm grateful for uh for just being able to do this and i feel like um on, on the other hand as well i do feel like we've got some really special things coming up that's going to completely shake up the narrative of what people might know as tribex so i'm very excited for this too uh for the next few months for sure yeah well, i feel like uh just from the outsider perspective it seems like tribex is on the verge of kind of finally really all the work that you put in over the past years of, is gonna kind of pay off you know what i mean so that's where i see you're on that that precipice of from uh, thanks yeah the, i i think that's true too you know I, I i really feel that and i don't think i don't think of this in in such a materialistic way but i feel like uh, for the first time i feel like i am or at least we are going to be able to offer something on behalf of the band to the world that is really worthwhile and it's worth paying attention to and uh, without sort of shitting on everything else we've ever done uh, I feel like the new album that we're going to put out but also the live shows that are going to come with it and maybe even a music video all these things that that are on the horizon i feel like uh it's it's a new level man and i feel like everything that we've done has been building up to this point of just total climax and uh, i appreciate your perspective on that i think that might just be what's happening and you know at the same time i don't have any expectations and i just want to do it but i also do feel like fucking finally i can we're gonna put something out that i'm gonna be able to stand behind it and then say fuck yeah we did this take it yeah. people you know i'm definitely looking forward to about that i'm looking forward to the album coming out and hearing your kind of new uh what's the word uh refinement of trivax you know because i could feel like from mm -hmm. the things i've heard from you your album and then dp uh, has like what, the end of the void song and everything like i feel mm -hmm. you kind of i could see the development from there to there i'm like i'm definitely excited to see the development from there to there you know what i mean like <laughs> Like see for where sure. where you're where you're going with it, because I'm sure it's gonna develop even further. 
I think rebirth is an even better word than refinement. Yeah. Because I feel band. like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the three of us and the band as a collective is like we've died and been reborn in the process of making this album. And, uh, you know, I mean, the album itself is like I could I could write a book on just even making it because uh, we started or I started writing this motherfucker <laughs> when, when our, just like within a week of when the first album came out. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that was it's coming up to six years ago now. Yeah. So then and there's so much that's happened in that time, whether it's from my physical transformation which you know uh, some people might have seen uh which is like that in itself was a life-changing thing and what's happened with uh, relationships what's happened with living situations certain things that have happened which i probably can't go into too much detail over but things not just in my life but in the lives of my band members and Obviously, on top of it, we've also had this crazy fucking pandemic happen since we've like during the process of making this album and since we finished it and then we expected to bring it out. It's, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. It's like you, you couldn't fucking make this up. And I don't think I'm ever going to have to wait this long to release an album in my life, or at least I, I hope not. And if I do, I hope it'll be for just as good of a reason as this one, at least. But uh yeah, yeah, it, it really feels like a special moment and like it feels like a flourishing is just on the horizon. So I'm very excited for that, really. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for opportunities like this as well, you know, where I get to uh, speak and and uh, share my voice. And, um, you know, whether it's through people like inviting me on their shows like this one or just listening to what I have to say on endless manifestations or just coming to our shows, you know, everything I, I I appreciate and take in all of these things wholeheartedly. Like it means the fucking world, you know, it's like this, that's why we're here, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, that, that's, that's, you know, it's, it makes it all uh, worthwhile and kind of in a sense completes the circle when there's that bit of uh, feedback and interaction at the tail end of uh, these uh, creations and experiences, I should say. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, I can see the yeah the idea of rebirth. I think you know it. Things come at the time they're supposed to, in a way. Uh, like you, you know, uh, that's how I felt. Like um, I've been, it's been a while since I've gotten back to really. I used to make a lot, a lot more music, and it's taken me a while to get back into, into the into it. And uh, but it's like the right time. Like I think things kind of sometimes it's like you're working on the stuff sometimes it just seems like it has to wait to as you're working on it suddenly the stars kind of align and and that becomes the right mm -hmm. time for it even if it's taking like longer than you expected it's kind of like as long as you're working on it and perfecting what you're doing like that's not a bad thing you know like you it's better to put out the right thing um the thing that you want to you can stand behind than to kind of just rush something out that you don't stand behind you know what i mean yeah, yeah, I think this is very true. And you always have to remember uh, as an artist or any form of entertainer or creator or whatever, that perception is reality, you know. So other people might not know that you've worked on a song for six, seven years. They'll just hear it when they hear it, when you've presented it to them, you know. So the fact that you might have taken such a long time to create it might be totally irrelevant to them because to them, the moment it comes out, the moment they hear, they hear it for the first time, 
that's their current impression of you and that's right. fine you yeah. know if that's if that's how that's meant to be then that's fine so just make sure that it's as absolutely good as you can get for that moment exactly that's what i mean like the when you if you work in something and refine it to, to where you're like okay yeah this is how i want this is what i want this is expressing what i want to express channeling what i wanted to channel like feels right you put it out there then at least you are in a way putting some control on the uncontrollable un- because you can't control how people are going to respond to what you listen to what what when they what they think when they hear your music but it's kind of like as long as you put you kind of perfect it into the way that the best way that you want it to at least you know that you did that and then when people listen to it you know hopefully they pick up on some of the stuff that you wanted them to and they they you know they're getting the best perception of you as possible you know oh yeah for sure i think that's the end game like that's the that's the main goal anyway is that you're doing this for yourself yeah and that you're doing this to you know like i never maybe it's because um i don't like being so industry orientated and i'm always approaching this from the viewpoint of art but i never get the mindset of creating something so you appeal to a certain group of people so you sell more yeah that you know like i don't i don't uh, i don't know maybe this is a little bit of a naive approach maybe we are all doing that whether we like it or not but for me i just i just want to want to create my own authentic experience uh, for and you know and then if anyone else wants to join for the ride then they're obviously more than welcome to um you know i think that's uh that's a much healthier way at least for me to approach art uh rather than just trying to please a specific group of people out there you know like to me you could be a 60s rock fan but your opinion is just as valid uh about my music as uh, someone who has got like every fucking first press vinyl of every black metal album in like the 80s you know what i mean like that's fine that's i i appreciate every person who perceives it or even if it's someone who's hearing metal for the first time like we've this is a fucking really cool one actually we've had people in the last few years who've come to trivax shows uh or like they brought their kids and they're like yeah this is his first show i'm like fuck that's awesome that is cool as hell like that is awesome to me Like, like fucking what an honor to be uh to as an up-and-coming band or or whatever be be someone's first impression of discovering this music that's fucking really really cool to me you know and obviously i'm sure that hopefully um will inspire them to go down the line and discover the the originators and and why we are here but you know as you can see on this wall behind me with fucking maiden and venom and everyone you know i hope i hope that you know we can have that effect in someone else because then then you know they sort of become one of us um metalheads but yeah it's it's fucking great it's cool you know i i appreciate anyone uh listening to our music and uh especially those who um get to share their opinions you know it's like we don't make it for the opinions we make it for ourselves but then the opinions are of course welcome after uh, everything's been said and done you know what i mean that yeah. it'd be stupid of me to say that i didn't care about that yeah, I mean, it's always, I think the most important thing is being honest with yourself, making the best that you can make. And and then, you know, from there, it's just, for, to me, it's interesting, the opinions, like, in a way, like, just seeing, like, what people take from what you created. So sometimes you get a, 
different insight into your own music. I've had that happen where people have been like picked up on something uh, that I've created that I didn't even, I didn't even think about, but you're like, Oh yeah, that's probably, you know, it's true. You know, it's interesting. <sighs> Fucking yeah. hundred percent. I've got a very strong case of this, which happened. Uh, there's a song called the serpent's gaze on the, on the next album uh and uh, which i'm sure you'll get to hear uh, soon enough and that song um i mean it's uh everything from its inception was extremely special but it was just kind of sitting there for a little while and uh, my friend uh, bjorn uh, also known as wrath you know who uh, does vocals in darvaza beyond man fetus and versa plays guitars in behexen yeah uh we recently did a tour with him uh with beyond man and yeah. uh he he got in touch with me about that song and uh we just sort of uh we were we were talking about it because we were already like communicating at that time anyway and um yeah so the conclusion was that uh, he was gonna go and do some uh, guest vocals for the track and, and i was like i mean the song seems pretty awesome. finished to me, but fuck <laughs> it. You know what? It's it's him. I trust yeah. him. You know, like, fuck it. Let's uh, take the track and go do what the fuck you want with it. You know, if if like if we don't like it, you know, like that's what he said. He was like, if you don't like anything, just get rid of it, whatever, you know. So I was like, all right, sweet. And then he went and recorded these parts. And it was it's like very sh- maybe maybe on the surface, it might not seem like a massive change. But man, the way he did like some little parts it like shifted my perspective of the song uh, entirely on some of the sections right uh and it's, it's it's fucking crazy you know and it's like all it took was just for that one extra perspective of like hey what if you do it like this you know because there's like one one sort of clean section clean vocal section on there you know where it's more like a choir and then he threw this other melody on there which was like it was in time and working with what i'd come up with but it was like totally different at the same time and when he did that i was like holy shit eureka so then i started like adding more parts to it that then accommodated what he'd come up with on top of what i'd made and then it was just this like really interesting back and forth um which happened just because of that like small tiny change you know and it just i think now when i listen to the song i'm like this is fucking exciting you know this this feels complete now right you know and uh yeah yeah sometimes all it takes is just that little you know just slight uh, not like it not someone dictating to you how you should do something but just give you a little bit of idea and then you take their idea and then turn it into something else i think that's how the best of creative teamwork comes out if you ask me so yeah perfect example i think to what you just mentioned there yeah exactly i mean that's that's definitely like a great example of uh when a good like creative teamwork of going back and forth creating something making it even better and the uh that's the song that in the interview you did with um void ad uh uh were you describing like you channeled that song kind of like in 30 minutes or whatever is that the one that is the one yes yeah, yeah uh, of course uh yeah like- I, I i need not forget that you're an avid listener of eblis uh, manifestations which i do very much appreciate by <laughs> the way yeah <laughs> but uh yeah that that is true that's the song i i wrote serpent's gaze in about half an hour and uh, it was one of the maddest experiences of my life. And you know what's funny about it? Um, I don't know if you've you've not got the video, so I can't in the podcast episode. I don't think you'll have the video, but I don't know if you'll be able to see this. Um, 
Do you see this line here on my on my hand? Yeah. Right. So here's, here's a cool fucking story for you now. If you want to just wrap this up here. Fucking yeah. on the day that I wrote The Serpent's Gaze, uh, I did the song like I pretty much woke up, closed the doors, put on my uh, I had this uh, ritual hoodie I used to wear with Trivex that had all the different symbols uh, drawn around it. Right. Uh, which was inspired by an LSD trip about uh, eight years ago. And uh, yeah, I wrote the song fucking like done. And every time I closed my eyes, I could see uh, a snake staring at me. And that's why I named the song The Serpent's Gaze, right? Right. And uh, lo and behold, I, once I, once I was finished with this, I walked away and I went on a bike ride. And I was really overweight at the time too. You know, like I was, I was like, I had like health problems because of how obese I was. I was about like, I think... I think I've lost like what close to like a hundred pounds since, you know. Right. And um, yeah, the fucking I went on a bike, and whilst I was on like a bicycle going through the woods near where I used to live, and whilst I was on the pathways, this bee came up to my face, and like it was like the most random thing ever, but it literally came straight into my face. So as I tried to get rid of it, I lost control and I fell. Uh-huh. And when I fell. I had this massive uh, gash on my on my uh, left palm, right? right, which is almost like where the uh, where the nail would have gone for the cross. Right. And at the time, I was like so p- pissed off. I, I just started screaming "fuck you, fuck you" to the air, you know, just because it pissed me off that that happened. Right. And then later, I went and had it uh, obviously stitched up at the hospital. It was a fucking horrible experience. But now, I am left with what it essentially looks like. A serpent's eye on my hand right and that's a little nice souvenir of the song serpent's gaze from when i that wrote makes, it yeah it uh, fits together i mean mm-hmm. the serpent is a very powerful symbol you know and i'm sure you're connecting with that that draconian serpent force within you and channeling it through the music in that way you know connecting with it and that that was your that was the it took its blood for for you creating that song basically <laughs> yeah I yeah. think like I was like really pissed off at the time, but I look back at this now and I feel like, okay, that seems like a fair exchange. All right. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, <laughs> it was well, another, all, yeah. they say everything in magic, uh, there's a, in that, that kind of force, there's a give and a take, you know, like anytime, you know, you do something, you create something with that, then there's a, you know, there's a give and a take. That's why the, that's why the whole idea of sacrifice came into effect was to, uh, you're offering what you want to offer for for the, for that gift or whatever you know what i mean like but there's a yeah there's a yeah 100% yeah i mean on a legal scale that's like terrible but um i had to say it, but it does actually kind of make sense i think um the whole uh, that whole idea or or of an offering of of some sorts it does does kind of make sense to me yeah i think it makes sense in a sense of like uh respect and and as well like uh because i'm not i i think that when you uh you know it's a, it's a respecting that those kind of universal forces you know and uh showing the sign of that respect and you know i think the 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 this world and and uh the other world are intimately connected so things that you give on this world uh affect the other world you know so as above so below you know 
That's right. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely appreciate you being on the, on the show tonight too. So uh, yeah. Thank you very much for having me, man. It's, it's been a real blast. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, would have been cool if we had a little bit longer, but I also feel like what we've just covered here is, is fucking, you know, you got some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I can always uh, have a part two at some point. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure that we can do, you know, and, uh, Again, uh, you know, thanks for having me, but also thank you very much for supporting Iblis since pretty much uh, more or less, I, I'm going to say it's uh, it's conception, you know, so uh, thank you. You know, I, I do really appreciate that. Well, I de- definitely like a uh, big fan of what you're doing with Iblis and, and um, you know, I feel like um, what you're doing with Iblis is, in a lot of ways intersects a lot with what we're doing with Solonox, so like with certain certain types of things and um and you know you got a lot of really great great guests on there and like uh like nos and like um void ad from Fidesz and versa and like bjorn and you know people that i'm very really interested in re- hearing their hearing what they what they have to say you know you're gonna really like the next one i've got on actually cool yeah looking forward yeah. to it yeah yeah do you know when this episode is coming out uh we're it, just talking on right now it'll either be um this sunday or the sunday after depending uh, probably be the sundays sunday. yeah okay right so. killer uh yeah i should have uh alvaro leo the bass player from Watain, on the next one and that's oh, cool. a awesome. pretty big fucking conversation <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a big one yeah he's a he's a uh, he's killer he's got yeah, he's right. had a pretty pretty crazy life as well he has yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I think you'll you'll appreciate that one you know so um yeah if obviously anyone listening to this as well you know feel free to check that one out so i'm planning on releasing it this saturday so okay cool uh, should be out be, uh, whenever you put it yeah i should i should i'm probably gonna put this one up on sunday so it'll be uh yeah saturday will be you can go and check out the bliss manifestations with uh that'd be awesome right on but yeah, yeah hopefully you. hopefully uh we'll make our way to colorado at some point i don't know i don't know if they'll uh, let us uh fucking middle eastern assholes in your country yet but uh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be it'd be great to come and uh, play the states and, and come come to uh colorado uh, at some point as well it is colorado you're based in right yeah i'm in colorado yeah it would, cool, it would be cool if you yeah it would be real cool like uh if there was a a cleason tribac show or something like that like they haven't yeah, even yeah that would be that would be like the fucking coolest thing ever it'd be killer i mean we've sort of talked about this a little bit you know just on like ideas and stuff but yeah that would be fucking sweet yeah i mean uh yeah and it would be especially interesting you know because if any of those like fucking antifa lunatics try and come and give us any shit it's like hey motherfuckers here's a band there's these middle easterners you know <laughs> yeah what the exactly. you gonna say to them <laughs> yeah they, it's a yeah they it's so funny uh, that that whole yeah, aspect it's of like it. three fucking passports in this one band what are you gonna say yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, joking from all over the world i mean like one of my best friends is uh is from well his family's from uh bangladesh and he's a ex-muslim and he has even he has problems with antifa people himself and he's like you know <laughs> so yeah Bengali yeah well fair play to him nice one and I, I know bangladesh is also a strict one when it comes to that so yeah that's nice yeah. to hear well hey I, I mean at this point he can't even go back there i mean he grew up in colorado mm. but he's like part of this uh um watch force like watchdog group uh for like you know extreme uh, islam and stuff like that like he's like pretty active in 
and all that. So <laughs> you can't good. probably yeah, go I back mean, there. It's one of them things. Once you've seen the other side, it that makes perfect sense. You know, there's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense to be like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, cool. But yeah, so yeah, we need more a, people like that. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, you know, I think I think uh, just need people who are see yeah, seeing the other side and taking a stance against it because uh what are they going to do try to silence you i mean you're talking like your your own experience you've had you know you you know what you're talking about it's not like you're you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah yeah no we we've never very rarely had any problems like that except once where some guy called us nazis but i'm not even sure if he was being serious or not but uh <laughs> I, th- I think he was just butthurt because his band had to like, you know, they were like opening a show that we were headlining and, um, you know, and it was funny and kind of ironic. Like I didn't really take it too hard because it's like, you know, it was a, basically a blonde guy wearing a Thor's hammer accusing the Middle Eastern band of being Nazis. So I was just like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> That's, fuck up. that's some weird, <laughs> that's 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 like, some weird shit. Whatever, I, I, don't, I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> life's yeah. like that though yeah 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 the the sense of irony is is pretty strong sometimes yeah yeah you just gotta be able to find the entertainment in life sometimes and just move on and yeah some things are just funny <laughs> yep yeah. yeah yeah i think i think that's it that's a that's a nice and humorous point to uh and and the episode on as well <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> well ha- have yeah. a good night and uh i'll talk to you later yeah, awesome call. Cheers for having me, man. And thanks uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. Yep, appreciate you. Thank you, man. All right. Yeah, stop this. Let's see.